We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, and today we have an Oregon football and recruiting mailbag episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Hope everybody's having an awesome weekend out there. Happy Saturday. Uh, We're rocking and rolling. And um, like I keep saying in every podcast now, we are getting closer to Pac-12 Media Day, getting closer to the start of fall camp. Uh, the official start of the Dan Landing era of Oregon football as the Ducks look to improve on a 10-win season from 2021 and uh, look to start off the 2022 college football season with a win against Georgia. If you guys didn't catch it, uh, in the last episode of the Ducks Dish podcast, I did a an episode where I went through and ranked each of Oregon's games on the 2022 schedule from uh, – easiest to most difficult. Uh, so that was a really fun podcast. Got to take a deeper dive into what's in store for the Ducks this upcoming season. But um, yeah, with that being said, um, there are a couple of things that I wanted to hit on just that uh, you know happened since the last episode I was able to record. And then I'm going to go ahead and get to the mailbag questions. Uh, if you guys are new here, I always put out a call to action on my Twitter page at mtaurus sports. That name right there, you guys can make sure to follow me there. Um, I'll put out a tweet, ask for questions ahead of time, and um, that's the easiest way to get a question answered on the podcast because I always hit on those questions first. And then, of course, if you guys are watching live on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus, thank you guys so much for tuning in and spending some of your day with us talking ducks. Make sure you hop in that live chat and throw a question my way. If there's something that's on your mind that you wanted to get answered, I'll do my best to get to it and answer those questions. But, oh, other note I wanted to say real quick, something new I'm doing right now is uh, if you're watching on YouTube, that will be the first way and the easiest way you can get the podcast. And then I'm usually posting uh, the podcast uh, on you know the audio version of the podcast on those apps the following day. So that's a great reason to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and then hit that notification bell so that you hopefully don't miss any future live streams here on the channel. But with that all being said, let's hop into this episode. Starting off with a recruiting focus, uh, there was some pretty significant news that came out late Thursday night and kind of trickled into Friday morning. That is regarding 2023 Oregon wide receiver commit Jurion Dickey uh, out of East Palo Alto, California. So late Thursday evening, uh, it was reported by the Mercury News that Jurion Dickey would be transferring from Valley Christian High School in Northern California. That was according to head coach Mike Machado, who was referenced in that story by the Mercury News. At the time, Machado said that uh, he didn't know where Jurion was going to be heading to play his senior season of high school football, but uh, there was some speculation that it was going to be uh, to Southern California. And then Friday morning, a little bit more came out. I was doing some digging myself, but wasn't really able to get a hold of, um, uh, you know, a, a super solid source to confirm it. But I say that to say on Friday morning, Mitchell Stevens of Scorebook Live reported that Jurion Dickey would be heading to modern day in Santa Ana, California, for his senior season of college football. 
And man, that's a pretty huge development. I, I was able to talk to uh, one source of mine kind of out in the Bay Area um, who said that it, it looks like that was going to be the case, that he was going to be heading to modern day um, and that had been in the works for, for a little bit now. Um, but we're still waiting on an official announcement from Jurion. So it's it's a report until we you know really hear it from uh, from Jurion or you know, maybe anybody at modern day. Um, but that's significant. That is a significant piece of news. Um, Jurion was named uh, first. He was named the West Catholic Athletic League wide receiver of the year um, coming out of the 2021 season. He also earned first team all WCAL honors uh, from his 2021 season. Uh, as a junior in 2021, Jurion racked up 78 receptions for 1,304 yards and 23 total touchdowns. That's according to Max Preps. And then now he is set to join a major, major powerhouse down south in the modern day Monarchs. Uh, they were defending Open Division California State Champions from the 2021 season. They were also undisputed national champions um, after going a perfect 12-0 and uh, last season. So that is just about as good of a, a program or a program that, that you can join. Um, and I thought that that was definitely a, a big development because modern day last year, they, they lost C.J. Williams, their, their top wide receiver uh, from the 2021 season. He um, he ended up committing to USC to play for Lincoln Riley and the Trojans. So uh, I think with, with Lincoln Riley there, you're definitely going to be seeing that modern day to US, USC pipeline uh, growing quite a bit. But um, I say that to say that the, the Monarchs needed to uh, add some big time talent and look at what some of these other schools are doing in the Trinity League, right? The arguably the toughest league in all of high school football down there in Southern California uh, the St. John Bosco Braves brought in uh, DeAndre Moore, um, the 2023 Louisville commit. He, uh, he transferred to St. John Bosco ahead of the uh, 2022 se season. Uh, of course, the St. John Bosco Braves have quarterback Pierce Clarkson on that team, who is also committed to Louisville. bunch of Louisville commits on that roster, on that team. So um, just interesting to keep an eye on where people are moving ahead of the upcoming season. Uh, another big time transfer to modern day uh, that we kind of know about from recent uh, from the last season was all purpose back um, Relique Brown, who transferred down from Edison High School in Stockton to play for modern day for one season before eventually flipping his commitment from Oklahoma to USC to play for Lincoln Riley there. So I think this is definitely significant news um, because he's going to be going up against the absolute best competition that there is. You know, he's going to be going up, he could be going up against uh, Roger Pleasant, really big time cornerback. A lot of uh, top DBs down there in the Southern California area ahead of the 2022 season. So it should be interesting to see how Jurion, uh, Jurion does uh, against modern or with modern day. You guys remember that Jurion recently earned five-star status on both 247 Sports and on three. Um, for 247, he was also bumped up to the number two wide receiver in the entire country, trailing only Zachariah Branch, the Bishop Gorman wide receiver, who is currently committed to USC. Um, so I think that just speaks volumes to the work that Jurion Dickey has put in on the field. Uh, seen him at the camp circuit, and he was just phenomenal. Dude just shows up and competes day in and day out. So that's going to be pretty big. Um, no doubt. And then looks like we did have a question here in the live chat uh, on this topic. So I'll go ahead and just hit that right now. Question from Gerard. Gerard asks, will this help with recruiting in Southern California and or modern day? You and I both know being from the 408 that Valley Christian is a football power, but not like modern day and always has been. Yeah, Valley Christian is a school that I honestly didn't know too much about until I got to high school um, and went to Bellarmine, which plays in the WCAL, the West Catholic Athletic League, against Valley Christian. Um, for, for Duck fans, I think they might have some familiarity with Valley Christian because that's where Byron Marshall went to high school before he ended up going to Oregon. Um, but Valley Christian's definitely established themselves as a power in uh, Northern California, um, kind of right up there with, with some really big names like uh, – Sarah, where Tom Brady and Barry Bonds both went. 
I'm trying to think of anybody more recent, but those, that's definitely the biggest name there. Um, and then you also have, um, who do you have? You also have De La Salle, really, really big perennial powerhouse nationally and in Northern California. Uh, of note for Oregon at De La Salle is 2023 tight end Cooper Flanagan, who the Ducks offered in uh, the recent months after Riley Williams announced his commitment to Miami, um, right after announcing that he would be spending the senior season at IMG Academy. So I think that this could help Oregon with uh, Southern California recruiting and modern day, because what have we said for, for so long? What's the belief been? It's that, you know, commits, they go from recruit to recruiter. And uh, oftentimes, you know, the peers are the best recruiters. And um, I think that it'll really just, maybe it'll just help sell Oregon even more, you know, having jury on out there in Southern California, just competing against the best, um, you know, on a week in week out basis. Um, and then, yeah, St. Francis can't, can't forget about St. Francis there. They've definitely been on the come up in the past five years or so with Cyrus Bibilicchio and Bennett Williams, both coming out of there. Cyrus Bibilicchio, of course, transferred to Boise state from Oregon. Um, I think it was ahead of last season. And then Bennett Williams uh, went from St. Francis and then he played at Illinois and then college of San Mateo before coming to Oregon uh, note on Bennett Williams, he's going to be switching his Jersey number to number four to honor Spencer Webb for the 2022 season. So great story to see there. All right. And then a couple other quick stories to hit on um, in this, before we get deeper into the mailbag, Oregon offensive lineman, Alex Forsyth was named to the Remington trophy award watch list. Forsyth was one of 40 offensive linemen named to the list. And I think this could be a huge season for him. You guys will remember with, with Forsyth, he came to Oregon as a 2017 recruit uh, out of Westland High School. So he is a uh, state of Oregon guy, uh, a real man of Oregon, if you will. And he redshirted in 2017, but gradually saw some more snaps, saw more playing time in 2018 and 2019, playing a variety of positions. You got left guard, right guard, right tackle. Uh, he played in five games in each of his uh, sophomore or sorry, freshman, redshirt freshman and redshirt sophomore seasons. And then once Jake Hansen moved on from the program and got drafted by the Green Bay Packers, that's when we really saw Forsyth start to come into his own and, and really stake a bigger role in this offensive line. He started all seven games at center in the 2020 season, and he had a strong 2021 season, but he was battling back spasms for much of the season. Played in, I believe it was 10 of 14 games is what I got when I was writing the story, doing some research. Um, and that's really when Oregon's offensive line versatility came in handy as we saw Ryan walk slide over to uh, play some center for the Ducks last year. And man, that guy balled out. So this is, isn't really that much of a surprise for Forsyth because he's really cemented himself as, as one of the better centers nationally, certainly in the Pac-12. And um, I think that he's got to be a reason that whoever ends up winning the starting quarterback job, you got to have a boatload of confidence in that offensive line. Certainly in Forsyth, as things really just start there on the offensive line, he's the general, he's the commander of that offensive line, and he'll be, uh, he'll be, you know, telling, pointing out, uh, you know, coverages and alignments and all that, and making sure that the offensive line is all on the same page. And you'll remember that left tackle George Moore is the only guy that they lost from that 2021 squad after Malaitala Amavela Ulu withdrew his name from the 2022 NFL draft to give it one more ride with the ducks on the college football field at Odson. So that's an, another story that I just wanted to hit on as Alex Forsyth continues to um, just keep developing and then hoping to see a full season from him after, like I said, he battled those back spasms last year. I believe they first appeared in that Stanford game, um, which was a crazy, crazy game. All right. All right, and then now we have another story, or last story before we get to the mailbag. Oregon tight end Terrence Ferguson was named to the John Mackey Award watch list uh, yesterday. That was a, a, a on Friday. That was a good achievement for him after he came to Oregon as a member of the 2021 recruiting class, signing class. He was the top recruit out of the state of Colorado, and this guy can really just do a little bit of everything. Um, I think one of the things that really stood out to me when I first got to know Terrence covering him as a recruit and watching his film, watch what he was able to do at Heritage High School out in Littleton, Colorado. He just has a very versatile skill set. And this dude is an awesome pass catching tight end, but 
don't let that fool you. He is not afraid to put his hand in the dirt and, uh, you know, mix it up with some guys blocking in the run game. I think pairing him and Maliki Montevall really gave Oregon a solid, solid haul at the tight end position um, from 2021. I think rivals ranked them as one of the top tight end hauls in the country for last year's recruiting class. And it also begs the question, are we going to see more from Oregon's tight ends this upcoming year? We know that last year with the way Mario Cristobal and Joe Moorhead ran that offense, it was very, very run heavy to say the least. And a result of that is we just didn't see too much from the tight ends. They just weren't that much of a factor for a lot of the Ducks' biggest games. Um, Maliki Montevall wasted no time making an impact, catching his first college touchdown against Ohio State. Talk about coming through when it matters most for your team and on the biggest stage. So Maliki Montevall, Terrence Ferguson really got their feet wet last year and were able to play some very, very valuable reps, big reps for the Ducks in their true freshman seasons. Um, I think that we are going to see more from the tight ends this year because Kenny Dillingham with his whole offensive vision, it's about getting the ball to the playmakers and taking advantage of those one-on-one matchups. I mean, look at the offense. There's not many guys on this roster that are more matchup, more of a matchup nightmare than these tight ends. I think maybe I'm a little biased because I played some tight end in high school, but that's one of my favorite positions to watch. They can just do a little bit of everything. They can block, they can run, they can catch. They can run routes. They can you know, be playmakers and, and be bowling balls and, and wreck guys. Um, but I think for Oregon, these aren't only guys that could be matchup nightmares, right? You got to look on the outside. You got to look at your Dante Thornton's, at your Chase Cota's, at your Caleb Chapman's. There's so many offensive weapons to be excited about that Kenny Dillingham really has at his disposal to make some serious noise in his first year as offensive coordinator for Oregon. And I think that a big part of that piece, a big part of that equation is going to be getting the tight ends involved early and often in this offense next year. So we already have on the roster, Terrence Ferguson, Malika Matavau, Patrick Herbert, Cam McCormick, Tyler Naney, guys like that, that can uh, really step up and, and make an impact. You'll remember Cam, you'll remember that Cam McCormick got hurt in that Ohio state game that dude has had brutal injury luck at the college level. So really hoping that he can stay healthy. Patrick Herbert has also battled some injuries since coming to Oregon. He was one of the more sought after tight ends in the 2019 recruiting class. I believe it was, uh, you know, he's a local guy, Sheldon high school, right in Eugene. So definitely some, some big things on the horizon for the ducks, hopefully at the tight end position this upcoming year. Let's see. Okay. Um, we got a, a couple comments here, just just people checking in that I want to make sure I say what's up to. Steezy PDX is here. He's always here watching the show. Thanks for being here. Uh, there's Gerard. Let's get this program started. Hashtag Ducks Dish. Brooks is here. What's going on, Brooks? Hey, Max, big ups to you for all your work covering the Ducks. Appreciate it. Appreciate the kind words, Brooks. It is an absolute privilege to do what I do, and I am grateful for it every day. Um, but, man, I'm so excited to get ramped up here. Uh, on the college football coverage and the recruiting stuff too. Recruiting dead period ends in in like five or six days. So we'll have a lot more recruiting topics to cover, I think. So let's see what else we have here. Brandon says, uh, what's up, Max? Let's go. I'm starting to get excited for next season. Absolutely. So, um, all right. Now let's get to the mailbag questions that people sent in before the show. Reminder, if you guys have a question that comes to mind or a comment, definitely hop in that live chat and I'm going to do my best to get to it. Uh, I think we're going to be going for about an hour today. So we're uh, at 18 minutes right now and we're just going to keep on rocking. Okay, first question from the mailbag comes from Gerard uh, at GTBerry on Twitter. Gerard asks, based on the amount of access you realistically believe you will have at the first fall practice of the landing program era, what is your ideal takeaway you would like to achieve from your viewing time? Hashtag Ducks Dish. Hashtag Go Ducks. Appreciate you using the hashtag there, Gerard. Um, I think for, for the first practice, uh, the biggest thing that you're going to be looking for, um, you want to see the energy, right? You want to see that the guys are bought in, that they're excited to be there. You want to see that the coaches are excited to be there. I remember during spring ball, um, we kind of were bouncing back and forth between the HDC practice fields and um, – and the Mashovsky Center, but um, I, I loved being out there and, and listening to the the music blaring, the, the high energy. I think that's definitely going to be see, 
something that we see in abundance from the Ducks kickoff fall camp. Um, you also just want to see some some good execution and, and crisp play, right? I think you don't want to see a lot of mental errors, although that's probably somewhat likely just because these guys haven't really had these practices since spring football. So that's been you know just about three, um, three and a half months since the Ducks were last on the practice field. I think we're also going to be looking for how do some of these guys look physically? How much have these guys grown from the end of spring practice and then having some time to go home, to be on vacation? How, how do you how do you hold yourself accountable? How do you stay on that and that um, you know straight and narrow, making sure that you're making progress away from the team from a physical standpoint? Um, I think that obviously going home for this period of time in summer is is really important for a lot of these guys and these coaches as well as, you know, you're just always on when it comes to college football. So I think these past two or three weeks, you know, a lot of the guys have had the time to go home and spend that good time with their families before fall camp starts, because once fall camp starts, we all know it's pretty much nonstop until you get through December and, and whatever bowl game you're, you're ending up going to. So pretty, pretty confident the Ducks are going to be bowl eligible this year. Now it's just a matter of which bowl game they're able to go to. I think I've said a couple times now it's it's tricky timing with this coaching transition because it feels like Oregon's in their championship window and it feels like a Rose Bowl and Pac-12 championship is not enough. Getting back to the college football playoff has to be the biggest priority, I feel like, if we're just talking about big goals for the season and where this team wants to go, where they need to go. So those are a couple things that I'm going to be looking for. Um, definitely want to see how the quarterbacks are looking. Um, how, how they interact, not only with each other, but just with other players. You know, if they're if they're in sync, are they communicating really well? That's obviously a big part of the job as a quarterback that I think is super important. So great first question from Gerard. Appreciate you asking it. All right. Um, next question comes from one old Duck fan at Vulcan Rider on Twitter. He asks, what are the chances Dante Moore is the starter next year, beating out Ty and Butters and Bo is one and gone? So I think this is a really good question because after Dante Moore committed, I think that's exactly where a lot of these, a lot of Oregon fans thinking goes. Okay, he's committed, but how soon can he play? When is he going to get here? When are we going to see him? Um, and for quarterbacks, you, you usually want to get here early, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if Dante Moore chose to enroll early, play his senior season at King, and then um, get to Eugene to be ready for the uh, winter strength and conditioning program. I think for quarterback, it's just so important for, for that position in particular to get here early, to start building the rapport with your teammates, to, to get in the playbook, and then also this just goes for early enrollees in general. I think another benefit that not that doesn't get discussed too often is just getting adjusted to college, getting adjusted to, to living on your own, to the responsibilities that that you have, to doing your own laundry. You know, that was one thing that I wasn't used to until I got to college, just doing my own laundry, uh, cooking for yourself sometimes, managing the crazy demanding schedule that you have, um, you know, bouncing back and forth between uh, practice, training, uh, recovery getting your meals, getting to the right place on time for class, meeting your teachers, meeting your classmates, um, and having meetings with uh, your position coach. There's just so many different aspects that go into that transition from being a high schooler to a college student. So I think that that's a big, uh, a big transition that a lot of these guys need to make at one point or another. Uh, I, just from listening to Dante in those interviews, it doesn't seem like it's going to be something that is that tough of a transition for him just because it feels like he has a really strong head on his shoulders. But as far as the chances that he starts uh, as a true freshman next year, I think this is how, this is kind of how I see it going. And, and this is kind of what you alluded to in your question. I feel like for Bo Nix probably comes to Oregon, um, not assuming he's going to start, but he's entering his fourth season, uh, senior season uh, as a college athlete, I guess it would be junior season because of COVID but he graduated in high school in 2019. So he played in 2019, 2020, and 2021. The 2020 year doesn't count. So he'll technically be a junior, I believe, um, if we're just kind of looking at the technical technical aspects of everything. But I feel like he probably came to Oregon thinking that he'll play one season and then uh, take his shot at the NFL. So that's kind of how I feel like things are projecting right now, just because that's what all the signs look like, is that it's pointing to Bo being the starter 
um, just with how he looked in the spring game. Uh, and then obviously you have what a lot of people are talking about with that continuity and familiarity with Kenny Dillingham as his offensive coordinator now in Eugene after uh, they were playing together uh, as a true freshman in 2019 when he won SEC Newcomer of the Year or SEC Freshman of the Year, whatever it was. It was something along those lines. So I'm with you in terms of I feel like that's kind of how it's looking. But let's let's look at it if that does happen. Then you have Jay Butterfield. You have Ty Thompson. Big question there. How much of the field are those guys going to see this year? Um, because they barely saw the field at all last year. We, we only saw Ty really last year other than Anthony Brown. Ty came in in that Stony Brook game after Anthony Brown got banged up. And then he also came in in that Colorado game a little bit. We didn't see that much of Jay Butterfield. And I, I put me in the camp of wanting to see more Jay Butterfield this upcoming season. thought he looked really good in the spring game. Every quarterback had a turnover in the spring game. So no one escaped that game completely unscathed. But I feel like to answer this question, a big part of the equation is going to be how much playing time, how many snaps do Ty Thompson and Jay Butterfield get this upcoming season? Can Oregon put teams away, teams that they far outmatch from a talent standpoint? Can they execute? Can they play clean games? Can they keep their foot on the gas pedal to make sure that they can not only get a big lead, but sustain that big lead to get some of these young guys the reps that they need, quarterback or otherwise? So I feel like that's the first big part we have to look at to see what kind of a leap those guys can make. How much can they grow in the 2022 season? But then the other part of it is what if Dante Moore comes in and just absolutely balls out? What if he's so talented that you can't keep him off the field as a true freshman? Uh, you can see the highlights. I mean, anytime this guy lines up to, to, to sling it, he just balls out and he's kind of in a class of his own. He's now the number two overall player in the country in the class of 2022, according to 247. For some reason, he doesn't have that fifth star on on three just yet. But, I mean, rankings don't mean everything. They don't really mean anything once you get to the college level. It's really just, you know, a bunch of hype um, when when you're a recruit, right? Um, I'm not saying it's not important to have a high star ranking or a high rating and all that. You guys all know how much I love recruiting and covering it. But I say all that to say once you get to college, the stars, the, the rating by your name and all of that, it just goes away because you need to – you just need to show up. It's, you know, put up or shut up basically is what it is um, at the college level. So I think his skill set is so refined already ahead of his senior season. This is a guy, keep in mind that I, I feel like Chris Collinsworth, here's a guy, I don't, I don't know if you guys listen to Chris Collinsworth when you're watching NFL, but Dante Moore is a guy who has really advanced mechanics for uh, a player of his age. You know, the, the ball gets out of his hand in a hurry. He can throw on the run. He puts the ball where it needs to be, shows excellent anticipation. He's mobile in the pocket, can do some damage with his legs, but doesn't really get asked to do a lot of that. Um, if you guys watch King's film, he, he really has a lot of quick passes to guys over the middle. Um, but he showed that he can make every throw on the field, whether it was at the Elite 11 when he hit the goalpost. I think he was the only quarterback that was doing that when they were lining up from the 50 and just letting it fly. Um, whether it was at OT7, uh, that big seven-on-seven seven, uh, tournament by overtime in Las Vegas. He balled out there. He, he balled out uh, throughout the seven-on-seven seven circuit. I believe he was playing for Cam Newton's seven-on-seven team. Um, SIL American, my, my colleagues over there, they they named him the Elite 11 MVP from 2022. So I say the, the possibility is certainly there. there. It's just a little bit hard to project right now because – we have to see what he does in his senior season. And then while he's, and then after that, probably more so than that, how does he look once he gets to Oregon? H how does he line up? How does he match up with those other guys that are already on Oregon's roster? Um, and it's looking like, like we were kind of saying, we're laying it out. It's going to be him, Ty, and Jay. And how do their skill sets match up? Which, which quarterback allows them to run their offense most efficiently, uh, most effectively? Um, is he is he a good decision maker? I know he has a really stellar touchdown to interception ratio right now in his college career. Um, but we've seen how big of a leap that is for a lot of guys making that step from high school to the football, high school to college, excuse me, um, making that leap from high school to college. The game speeds up. The game absolutely speeds up. And how he processes the speed of that game and how he makes that adjustment is going to be 
a big factor. And if this Oregon staff does a year from now feel can feel confident enough in his ability to name him the starter. So I feel like that's a, a huge question that you kind of have to ask yourself when, when you're evaluating this. So I think I would say right now on July 23rd, 2022, when we have so much time between this question really becoming more relevant for the ducks, I'd say it's possible. It's, it's possible for sure, but maybe not so much probable just going off of what we've seen right now. Um, I think Dante Moore has all the potential in the world. Uh, I, along with a lot of other, uh, you know, industry, industry analysts, industry experts, believe that he can start as a true freshman like he is just that talented but we don't know what he looks like um as a college player and how we have we haven't seen we don't have any reps to go off of whether it be something simple as a fastball drill and in, in spring practice or a spring game for example like so i think we have to really wait until we see him play at the college level or even just practice at the college level right before we can really um, you know, say so that this is a high chance for um, for Dante to see if he's going to be able to uh, start as a true freshman for Oregon. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break here on the Ducks Dish podcast, doing some awesome mailbag stuff. Appreciate you guys for stopping by. Uh, so stay with us. We'll have more Ducks Dish podcast after the break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Duck Stage Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. We're rocking and rolling live on YouTube at Oregon Football. Max Torres. Uh, for our Ducks Dish Mailbag podcast, talking Oregon football and recruiting as we do so often here on the Ducks Dish podcast and over on DucksDigest.com where you guys can always find my written content. Quick favor for you guys in the chat, smash that like button, smash the subscribe button, and uh, make sure you share the podcast with your friends, family, and other Duck fans. With that being said, I have one more question to get into here before I can turn my attention back to the mailbag to see, or sorry, back to the live chat to see what's on your guys' mind. Question here. Next one comes from Aaron Martinez. Aaron asks, who do you think are the next three guys to commit to Oregon? Hashtag Ducks Dish. Appreciate you using the hashtag on Twitter, Aaron. So right now, where are we at with the recruiting calendar? We are in the dead period. The recruiting dead period um, started pretty much at the end of June. That's why we saw Oregon really go all out to bring in a lot of high caliber official visitors. So right now there are a couple of commitment dates for Oregon targets that we, we know about. And then some of these guys, as we've seen in the past are going to be so high profile that they choose to drag their recruitment really out into the finish line, maybe even past that traditional uh, late or second signing period in February, because we're seeing so many guys sign and commit during the early signing period in December. But as for your question, the next three guys, I'm going to give my best shot here. So I think the first guy that comes to mind is the one that is set to announce his college commitment in the next two days. And that is Burian uh, Washington offensive lineman Micah Benuelos out of Kennedy Catholic. Talked to Micah a couple times throughout the recruiting process. Great kid. Dude is just a mauler. Some might think that he's a little bit undersized. I think he's about 6'2 and a half, 6'3, 290. Um, 
when it comes to his frame, but that dude knows how to finish blocks, plays with just a nasty swagger that you want in your offensive lineman, and he's really, really high on Oregon. Where do things stand as we sit right now, you know, two days away from his college commitment? He is working from a top three of Oregon, USC, and Texas A&M. Um, really, really, you know, talented, um, really, really highly ranked storied programs for the most part, right? With those three schools, Oregon did get the last official visit. Um, just doing a little bit of scrolling here on the interwebs, just so you guys know a programming note um, for Micah Banuelos. He will be announcing his commitment on Monday, July 25th at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. That is on CBS Sports HQ, as well as the 247 Sports YouTube channel. Um, so that's a guy that you got to keep an eye out for. Uh, I think that, um, I think that Adrian Clem and Vianney tell my vow have done an awesome job, uh, recruiting him and making him a priority. Think about how much success Oregon's had in the state of Washington as of late. I think that's another thing that bodes really well. Um, they already, the ducks already have. Um, Caleb Presley in the fold from Washington. And then if you're rewinding the clock a little bit, you have Josh Connerly, the number one ranked offensive tackle from 2022, an offensive lineman that the Ducks were able to get over USC. Um, will they be able to repeat that again? I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about where the Ducks stand there and their chances with, with Micah. Uh, Micah did speak really highly of Texas A&M and just of SEC football. You know, that's you know big boy football, as a lot of people call it. Uh, he was saying that he likes that the Aggies don't baby their guys. Uh, you know, they really hold everyone to a high standard and that's huge. So I think for, for the ducks, I think that Micah has to be one of those top tier guys that you really want um, major priority on the recruiting trail. The ducks haven't landed an offensive lineman of just yet in this 2023 recruiting class. You already have a lot of those pieces coming together on offense, right? You have Dante Moore as your quarterback. You have Dante Dowdell, uh, as one of your running backs right now. I think the Ducks are going to try to get two backs in this 2023 class. You have Jurion Dickey as a wideout. You have Ashton Cozart as a wideout. Now you need to start filling out the trenches on the offensive side of the ball, especially with uh, how many guys they're set to lose after the 2022 season along the front lines uh, of the offense. So I'd say Micah Benuelos is probably one of those guys that I think Oregon could be in a great spot for. That college decision, again, coming on Monday, July 25th. Make sure you guys stay tuned with me on Twitter at mTOR Sports and on DucksDigest.com. We'll have all the commitment coverage to see where Micah Benuelos announces his commitment to. So we'll see where Micah ends up announcing his commitment to on Monday. But moving along, I think another guy that you have to keep an eye on is staying along the offensive line, Miles McVeigh. Big-time offensive lineman out of East St. Louis. He was also uh, in Eugene for his last official visit. Not his last official visit, but his most recent official visit, I, I should say. So Benuelos and McVeigh, Oregon both got both of those uh, official visits before the dead period started. Um, I think McVeigh's recruitment is a little bit more open. Uh, he did announce a top six um, the other day. So right now, Miles McVeigh, he's working from a final six of Oregon, of course. We got Oregon, Michigan State, Alabama, Texas A&M, Mizzou, and Jackson State. Right now, McVeigh has set a commitment date for August 11th. Looking through my uh, my notes here. August 11th, um, 7 o'clock p.m. So if that's, oh, wait, hold on. 6 o'clock p.m., I'm trying to see which where what time zone is East St. Louis in. Give me a second here. Okay, so this this graphic that he sent me was six o'clock, six o'clock um, p.m. But then this press release that he sent me says seven o'clock. Uh, so it's either seven, six or seven o'clock central that we're going to be looking for um, the college decision of Miles McVeigh. And this is going to be, I think, a little bit more of a tightly contested race than Micah Benuelos because you have some really, really big-time schools that are in the mix there. McVeigh did take some official visits over the summer. 
Uh, like I said, obviously, um, Oregon being one of those big official visits, looking through right now, um, I believe he also made it out to Texas A&M and Michigan State before he before he got to Oregon. Um, yeah, okay, so I'm seeing some pictures from Michigan State here from his visit. He, this dude's been all over the country lately, um, but that Michigan State OV was, was definitely uh, one that left a pretty strong impression. Mel Tucker, I think, is really set to do some big things on the recruiting trail there, especially after the success that they enjoyed in the 2021 season. Um, let's see what else we have here. Uh, he also made it out to LSU in June, but LSU isn't in the running anymore. And then he also made it out to Texas A&M for his first official visit, it looks like. Um, so I think that Texas A&M, Michigan State, um, maybe don't have the most illustrious history of sending offensive linemen to the pros, but that's something that Oregon really has um, on their side right now. I think when I was talking to Miles after that official visit, he was telling me about how great of a relationship he has with, with Coach Clem. And then he also threw some fun fact, a fun fact my way that I didn't know um, that he has that he said that Adrian Clem has the most uh, offensive lineman in the NFL right now that he coached um, at, at the college level. So I think that that pedigree is something that really stands out to, to Miles McVay. Um, you know, parents love the visit. I think that Oregon's in a great spot with McVay to to potentially land a commitment from him. And it just it just is another example of how this Oregon staff has. I feel like they've really spread out their commitments pretty well. I know a lot of fans were wondering why nothing was happening for a while, but um, now that they have Dante Moore in the fold, the fold, maybe we're going to see some of that domino effect. See some of these commitments come start to roll in um, at the uh, you know potentially at the end of July, early August, mid August, going into the season. Because a lot of these guys, you got to keep in mind, they want to have their recruitments wrapped up, finalized before their senior season starts so they can just focus on ball, just focus on, you know, going out with a bang, making the most of the time with their teammates, uh, chasing a state championship. That's what everybody wants as a, as a senior, right? You can't go out on a better note than that. So I think that that's something really big that you got to watch out for with Miles McVay. Miles McVay, rather, is a big guy that you need to watch out for. I like where Oregon's at with him. And then another guy that I think I'm going to mention here as someone that I think uh, Oregon could be in a really good spot for, I talked to him a couple times throughout his recruitment, and that is 2023 defensive lineman Terrence Green. Terrence Green is a big-time defensive lineman out of Texas, um, specifically out of Sia Woods High School in Cyprus. He's one of those guys whose stock has continued to rise on the recruiting trail throughout his time um, in high school. And he's another guy that Oregon got out for his official visit um, in June. They got him on campus for a visit in the spring. And I thought that was really big. You want to get these guys on campus for an unofficial visit. I don't know why I feel like I'm talking so much in my hands today. Maybe I'm doing that too much, but really important to get him on campus as well as a lot of these big time guys, get them on campus for an unofficial. And then that way you can show them what you have to offer. And then he said, Hey, I know we know you really liked it. Come back out for that official and, you know, let us give you the, the red carpet treatment. Um, but but he's spoken really highly of, of Lanning and Tosh Lapoy uh, during his time from those visits. Um, like I said, two visits. And big for Oregon to get back into the state of Texas, continue going in the state of Texas on the recruiting trail. We've already seen it a couple times under Dan Lanning and this new staff. I think Kamari Terrell, the defensive back out of Shoemaker High School in Killeen, was the first Texas guy that we saw. You could argue it was Christian Gonzalez because he was originally from Texas, but that's a guy that got out of the portal right following Demetrius Martin over from Colorado when he got the new defensive back job, the cornerbacks coach job. Um, and then we've also seen some other Texas guys hop on board, uh, notably Tyler Turner, the safety out of Brennan High School in San Antonio. And Texas is a state that is known for producing a lot of big time talent in the trenches, right? Um you have Terrence Green, and then you also have another big name on the recruiting chart for the Ducks, David DJ Hicks um, out of um, Paytow, Paytow, Paytow High School, I believe it is. Um, double-check that because it's going to bug me if I got it wrong. Yeah, Pay, Paytow High School, Paytow High School, and Katie. Uh, he had previously been at Allen High School where Kyler Murray went, and that's just an absolute powerhouse. But David Hicks is another huge guy on the defensive line for the Ducks. 
that's a recruitment that's going to be very heavily contested, but I feel like the Ducks are in a good spot there. No commitment timeline for him or commitment date, but back to Terrence Green. Terrence Green will be announcing his college commitment on July 30th, and um, shortly before that Oregon official visit, he uh, or maybe it was right after the official visit. I have to I have to double check here. Um, so yeah, he had, he had his Oregon official in June. But on June 20th, he announced a top five in his recruitment. That top five, of course, consisted of Oregon, as well as a couple other schools. We got Florida, Texas, Michigan State, and Miami. You figure there had to be at least one Texas school in the running here as the Lone Star State is loaded with talent every year. And if you're Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, if you're Steve Sarkeesian at UT Austin, you're going to want to make sure that you're giving these other schools that are trying to invade your state a run for their money with uh, these top in-state guys. So I feel like Terrence Green is going to round out the third uh, possible recruit that I think could be next to commit for or to commit to Oregon. But they got more big names in Texas. I've mentioned a couple of them. Another one is big time edge outside linebacker Colton Vasek from Westlake Austin. Uh, And that is a super, super powerhouse program out there in Texas. So definitely have to keep an eye on him. I think he said on Instagram, his commitment could be coming quote very soon. So no date for him just yet, but the ducks also got him out for an official visit. Um, I think you're probably seeing the pattern here. The ducks have gotten so many of their top priority targets on campus before the dead period. So I think that we really like how they're managing that with the schedule. And that's the last mailbag question that we had. Uh, ahead of the uh, of the season. Oh my gosh, my words are all over the place. That was the last mailbag question that we had that was written in um, on Twitter. So now I can get back to the live chat. All right, Mikey G asks, what other recruits slash current players are from modern day? I'm going to start with... Um, I'm going to start with the current players on Oregon's roster that are from modern day, because that's a more recent trend that we've seen a more recent pipeline that we saw started in the crystal ball era. Uh, The most notable one is probably Mace Funa. He is a veteran linebacker edge guy uh, that came to Oregon in that 2019 class, which earned the mark as the top class in Oregon program history, program history. So Mace Funa was at modern day before he ended up coming to Oregon, as well as Keon Ware Hudson, big time nose tackle defensive lineman, battled some injuries at the end of the year um, last year. So didn't get to see as much of him as we were maybe hoping for, but Keon's going to play a big role this year in that depth uh, along the defensive line. You got Popo Amavai, Sam Taki Taimani, Jordan Riley, Brandon Dorless, got to mention him. Uh, the Ducks lost Christian Williams to uh, the transfer portal, he, he transferred to Mizzou, I want to say, as well as Jason Jones, who went to Auburn. So really like the the way they've added some pieces there. Ben Roberts, Sir Mel is as well coming in from the 2022 recruiting class. But as far as modern day, you got Mace, you have Keon Ware Hudson, Sean Dollars also transferred to modern day before his senior season. Uh, and he earned the title as one of the top all-purpose backs in the country coming out of high school in 2019. So both he and um, both he and Thomas Graham were at um, Rancho Cucamonga um, during their high school careers um, for a while. I don't believe that Thomas Graham transferred to Modern Day. Um, there's probably someone else that I'm thinking about. Let me see. I'm looking on Thomas's uh, yeah Thomas's uh, two four seven profile, but it was. Um, Oh, it was Sean Dollars and Jeremiah Cradell, I think. But Jeremiah Cradell ended up going to Oklahoma um, to play his college ball. Uh, so you have Dollars. You had Jalen Davies, the cornerback uh, from the 2021 class, but he ended up transferring to UCLA ahead of the 2022 season. Um, who else? And then you had um, Austin Fallu. I think Austin Fallu went to uh, modern day as well. He's not a current player, but he's another guy from, from modern day since we're talking about uh, that pipeline. Um, let's see if there's anybody else. You had race Malum, the former specialist, but he also transferred as well. Um, I hope I'm not missing any guys. Um, 
I feel like that's those are the big ones. I think another one that you got to keep an eye out for is uh, Brandon Baker, the 2024 offensive lineman. He's at Modern Day right now. Um, he's the younger brother of George Baker, former former Duck. Um, so that's another connection that's kind of cool there. Um, Elijah Brown, 2024 quarterback. I haven't talked to him in a while. He has a long way to go in his recruitment, it looks like. But he's one of the top quarterbacks in the 24 class, and he's at Modern Day now. He uh, – don't remember if he's visited Oregon, but I know he's um, he's definitely uh, have he has the Ducks on his radar in his recruitment. So I think that that's uh, someone that you have to keep an eye on, as well as um, oh man, they have this huge uh, defense or offensive lineman uh, at Modern Day for twenty four. Let me he's probably towards the top of the rankings. So let me see here. Um, DeAndre Carter. DeAndre Carter is a massive offensive lineman listed at 6'4", 340. I remember I saw him in Oakland at that UC report camp, and he was named one of the offensive lineman MVPs. So plenty of talent from modern day, both past and present, to keep an eye on from an Oregon standpoint. Guys that have come through the program are already here um, on the team. And then looking ahead in the 2023 and 2024 recruiting classes as well. Brooks Durham says Tyler Turner said on his IG that he will be enrolling early at Oregon in January. He seems really motivated. Yeah, no doubt about it. Tyler, Tyler Turner is a big defensive back. Um, really like his ball skills and you want to have that, that physical presence to come down and, and lay a hit. Um, figure that it'll be big for Tyler Turner with those relationships that, that he's has with some other recruits in the state of Texas. I think I saw Tyler Turner's mom tweeting at Colton Vasek the other day. Uh, just saying, you know, Tyler needs a roommate uh, at Oregon. So um, we'll see if, if that can help Oregon at all with, with their pursuit of, of Brooks. Um, Mikey G says, Fergie Ferg, dude is from Littleton, Colorado, does not live up to his hometown name in the slightest. Uh, Terrence Ferguson is a massive human being. I think when I saw both he and Maliki, um, I saw both him and Maliki at fall camp last year. I was just like, my mind was blown just how massive those guys were. Um, I, think I got a picture of them side by side and and they like to go by the twin towers, I think, cause they're just so huge, you know, six, 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 seven, uh, two forty, two fifty, just massive guys that are, that are ready to make an impact this year. What's up, Matthew? Matthew says, love your stuff. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in and supporting Matthew. Glad you're here. Um, Duck Green asks, is Flo going to be ready to go game one or are they going to be careful? This is one of the biggest questions that's looming right now for Dan Lanning's defense in year one. Um, we, I remember we saw towards the end of spring football, uh, Justin Flo was in trainers for a lot of it, but in one of the last practices that was open to media, um, I remember we saw Justin Flo running around making some, making some, uh, some tackles or some wrap ups. And that dude's just the, the the new staff said it. Tosh said it best. You know that guy only has like one one mode, and we've kind of had to dial him back a little bit. So they were careful because he didn't play in the spring game, and because of that approach and just how well he was moving, I, I want to say I think he's going to be ready to go for game one against Georgia. You figure that's someone that the staff really wants to have ready to go for the 2022 season, uh, especially since they want to pair him with Noah Sewell, right? To to have that dynamic duo that was just so lethal in that one game that we saw them play together against Fresno State. I think if they can get him on the field, he could be a tremendous asset for them against the Bulldogs, getting just some pressure on the quarterback and, and running around like a madman. Um, I know there's another question from Anton here about flow. So we don't have any new any new stuff on flow right now as we uh, head into fall camp, but I'm sure that'll be something that maybe Lanning gets asked at Pac-12 Media Day in, uh, in Los Angeles next week, or um, certainly going to be a question that comes up um, for him to start fall camp, whether or not we, we see him going through drills. He'll probably go through drills in some capacity, if not as a full participant um, when, when fall camp starts, would be my guess. Question from Devi. If CJ Carr happens to ever decommit from Notre Dame, should we worry about Dante? 
Yeah, this is an interesting question. Um, for Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame's recruiting approach for quarterback, they, they've they been all in. They were rather all in on Dante, and I imagine they're still recruiting him just because he's committed. I don't think that that's going to slow a lot of these programs down, a lot of these schools down from, from um, you know, pursuing him, especially because he's so close to South Bend being a guy from Detroit, Michigan. So with CJ, CJ Carr is a 2024 guy, so – Part of me thinks that his commitment to Notre Dame didn't really mean a whole lot in terms of how it might have impacted Dante's recruitment. Because even if, I guess it would be a little different if he was a 2023 guy. Um, I don't know if Notre Dame ever wanted to take two quarterbacks in the 2023 class. But what I, I say all that to say that I feel like these top quarterbacks aren't really scared away by somebody already being there. Um, I think if you're a top quarterback, you know, you're, you're there to compete and you're confident in your abilities when you commit to a, a school. So I don't think that that is going to be a huge role right now. Uh, but CJ Carr, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the 24 class already committed um, to Notre Dame. But right now it looks for Notre Dame in 2023, like they are really trying to turn up the heat on uh, Austin Novosad, the 2023 Baylor quarterback commit. He's someone that uh, that they're really trying to go after. He, he had a really good showing at the Elite 11, Austin Novosad from Dripping Springs, Texas, Dripping Springs High School. He is rated by the 247 composite as a number 150 player overall in the country, number 11 quarterback, and the number 27 prospect in the state of Texas. But he is um, – he is – still weighing his options um and he's still committed to baylor but it looks like uh it wouldn't be a surprise if, if he got back out there on the recruiting trail to take some more visits once the dead period opens up um i'm sure that dave randa and the bears are doing everything that they can to um to hang on to that commitment so i think it's something to watch for sure but i think this oregon staff once they got a commitment from dante or any of these guys that are super high caliber high caliber or not you're still going to have to keep recruiting your class until they sign on the dotted line. And then in the era of the transfer portal, right? Um, that's one of the new sayings nowadays is that you have to keep recruiting your current roster. So recruiting is the name of the game. And um, I know that this Oregon staff is going to keep recruiting Dante heavily, even though he is already committed to the Ducks. Got a question from Wesley here. Wesley asks, how underrated is our linebacker core in your opinion? Um. I don't know. I, I think for, for Oregon's linebacker core, they have a lot of really good talent there already. Um, you know, you lose some guys from last year. Obviously, Drew Mathis got hurt and um, he missed the season, right? Um, and then Nate Hukalani is another guy that, that moved on. And I feel like another thing that you have to ask yourself, if you're who do you count as a linebacker? Are you counting those edge guys in there as well? Because I think that that would kind of affect how you – how you view the the linebackers, but I think that Oregon's linebacker core, I wouldn't, I'd argue that it's not too underrated. I think it's probably rated appropriately. Obviously the, the headliner of that group is going to be Noah Sewell. He looks like the top draft prospect for the ducks heading into the 2023 NFL draft certainly still has some areas to improve, but Noah Sewell is an absolute monster. I like calling him a cyborg because that dude just, his body takes a beating and he just never comes off the field. Um, we obviously saw that injury he had against UCLA in 2020 as a true freshman, but I believe it was Wazoo they were playing the next week. Noah's right back in there, but Noah's just a beast. And then obviously you have Flo, who has all the hype in the world, but for all intents and purposes, he's really only played one game. So really looking to see how he can grow, what kind of consistency he can bring to the table um, from week to week, especially against some of these big-time non-conference opponents that the Ducks have lined up, Georgia, BYU, uh, a couple of those games that that really stand out. Stanford, I think that's a guy that you really want against a school like Stanford or against the the Huskies at, at UW. Um, and then that's not where the name stopped, though, right? I think Jeff Bossa was one of the biggest success stories of that defense last year. Um, being a guy that came to Oregon as a defensive back, but uh, – I don't know if oversized is the right word, but he was a massive defensive back. I think he was 6'2", already in the area of 200-plus pounds, maybe closer to 210, um, a guy that could really move. And I feel like he's the perfect example of uh, someone that this new defensive staff is probably just, you know, 
licking their chops at because I know Dan Lanning was asked about him in spring ball. And he said that Jeff Bossa, you know, has that speed that you really want in your linebackers. Where does that speed come from? You know, his, his track background, um, his, his uh, time as a return specialist uh, at the high school level. Um, so you see that speed there being a defensive back, being a versatile DB, but he can also tackle and he has that physicality that you want to see in your linebackers. So I think he wants to continue adding some weight to that frame, but the biggest challenge is not losing that speed and athleticism. So I think Jeff Boss is going to be a dude for the Ducks this year. You also have Jackson LaDuke, someone who uh, you know battled COVID, I think it was, um, at various times in, uh, in the last season. It, it was... I know he said he was battling COVID during, um, not during spring ball, but while we were talking to him in spring ball, we were asking him about last season and he was coming uh, forward just saying that he had to battle COVID um, on top of um, injury as well. So it was really good that they were able to get him back out on the field um, last season to get some good reps in with the linebackers. He was he was one of the more, one of the more underrated guys from Oregon's 2020 class. Uh, coming out of Nevada, but I think that was a guy that Ken Wilson really loved, and uh, we're just scratching the surface as far as what we're going to see from Jackson, but he's a veteran guy. Uh, even though he hasn't played a whole lot, he's been in the college system for a long time, and I think that's a guy that you're going to be really confident about heading into 2022. You also have Keith Brown, who was uh, you know, kind of a, another Oregon representative coming from Lebanon. Um, he was someone that I think impressed in the, the limited action that we saw him in in 2021. Uh, he got thrown into the fire um, after the Oregon linebacker core took some injuries. I think we saw him in there against Ohio State. And um, he also came away with a pick in the spring game. So good to see that that playmaking ability is there for Brown. Uh, Adrian Jackson is another guy. He, he came here in the 2018 class for Oregon. Uh, so he's someone who's played a ton of football. And I think this, like the last staff, this new staff is really going to be focused on getting him to take that next step see if he can be an every down linebacker for them. I believe he's moved from the outside to the inside uh, ahead of this season. So he's a big guy that you have to keep an eye on for sure. And then looking at the edge, you have Mace Funa, you have DJ Johnson. I feel like DJ Johnson's a prime candidate to be Oregon's next consistent edge rusher after Kayvon Thibodeau's departure. Um, Braden Swinson is another guy outside linebacker. You have Brandon Buckner as well. Trevin Maia. Trevor Mai, I think he's really quiet, but that's a guy that I think has a lot of potential. And we saw him play a pretty decent amount of snap, snaps last year. Um, so hopefully I'm not missing too many guys um, from the linebacker core, but I don't feel like Oregon's linebacker core is, is that underrated. Um, I feel like they're definitely one of the stronger groups uh, for this defense. Uh, Anthony Jones, a freshman outside linebacker who comes over from Liberty High School in the Las Vegas area with Sir Mel's Jaden Navarrete, someone that we haven't seen a whole lot of. He's a redshirt freshman from Norco High, Norco High School in Southern California. Um, Jabril McNeil is another guy we haven't seen too much of. Really liked how athletic he was and how well he moved and the physicality he played with coming out of Raleigh, North Carolina uh, in high school. Um, Keith Brown, Devin Jackson, as well as Harrison Taggart. Those are two 2022 guys that um, were here as early enrollees for spring football. So I think that those are some people that some guys that probably won't play a whole bunch uh, as true freshmen, but you don't really need them to. I think you just want to get them in, get them adjusted to the speed of the game um, and, you know, ready to go um, for the rest of their college careers. But I think that those are going to be some, some big guys that you have to watch for, um, when we're talking about the whole linebacker core, Oregon's linebacker core is loaded as ever uh, heading into the 2022 season. So hopefully that answered your question, Wesley. That'll do it for us on this episode, guys, on the Ducks Dish podcast. Really appreciate you stopping by, taking some time out of your day to talk some ball. Um, like I said, I don't want to say it too much, but just a reminder to like and subscribe for us. And make sure you head on over to DucksDigest.com where you can find all of my written content covering the Oregon Ducks. I'll be in Los Angeles next week for Pactual Media Day. Really excited for that. We're still waiting to see which players are going to be going for Oregon with Dan Lanning, um, but I'm super stoked for that. It's going to be a great time to really fully dive into football season. We are, we're right there, about to be through the end of the offseason, everybody. So appreciate you guys sticking around, and I am so ready to do more live streams, 
more podcasts. It's going to be an awesome time. And I'm just excited to have you guys here for the ride. But like I said, that'll do it for this episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. Thanks so much for tuning in, however you're tuned in. And we will see you in the next episode. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.